just let me just be prophetic for just a moment. Has anybody just been seeing some hard times or anybody been seeing some, some difficult things in life lately? Just with a quick show of hands. I've been seeing some, some painful, almost sometimes dreadful moments. Can you, just, can you just agree with me right now that God can turn what is bad for good? He can turn what the enemy meant for destruction and pain and sorrow in my life. And God can still turn it for good. Someone say good. Do you still believe that your God is good? In fact, I feel like many times we diminish who God is when we call him good because my God is great, the Bible says. Can I find some people who still believe he's greatly to be praised? I said greatly to be praised. Come on, if he's an okay God, give him an okay praise. If he's a mediocre God, give him mediocre praise. If he's a good God, give him good praise. But if he's a great God, then don't stare at me. Throw up your hands and give him a great praise today. I praise you, my great God. You are great. Now and forever. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. great is our God. Can I get a witness today? How great is our God? Amen. Amen. All right, all right, all right, all right. I have got a lot to say. Thank you, Jesus. And I don't got much time. Let me preface this message by being candid and clear. A lot of what you're going to hear today, you've heard me say before. My father used to tell this old joke about a new pastor that came into a church and he preached the house down, his very first message. And the people were ah, falling out the aisles and throwing money on the altar. And just the spirit of God was moving. At the end of service, everyone's shaking his hand. Wow, greatest message I've ever heard, Pastor. You're so amazing. Wow, so glad you're our pastor. The next week, Brother Cream, guess what he does? He gets up and preaches the same exact message he preached the week before. People are kind of like, okay, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, it was still a good word. At the end of service, Reverend Jerry, you know, he, he didn't get as many handshakes and as many pats on the backs and attaboys and you're amazing. The next week he gets up and he preaches the same message again. Now at this point in time, the board and, and, and deacons are just like, what is wrong with this guy? And they ask him, don't you have any other messages? And he says, I've got plenty of other messages. I'm just still waiting for you to do the first thing I told you to do. So if any of this feels familiar, good. Because my prayer is that some of you will finally begin to do some of these things. Not that the preacher, but that the word of God has told you you need to do. So can I get an amen from the people who have probably already heard this message before and are still going to say amen anyway? Because the truth of God's word remains the truth all the time. All right? And if this is brand new material to you, then you can just, you can just say amen the entire service. That's good. Wow. Hallelujah. Like my grandfather used to say, if you can't say amen, say ouch. All right. Let me start real quick with something I said last week, and then we'll get into this. Philippians 2.3. Philippians 2.3. It's not on the screen, but I just feel like I needed to start here. In Philippians 2.3, Paul says it this way. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Someone say selfish ambition. I know that last week's message for many of you was like, well, that wasn't really the celebratory 15th anniversary sermon I was expecting, but it was exactly what God wanted us to hear. 
And part of what we were saying last week is that God is wanting us to die to our selfishness. So do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. If you're sitting near somebody right now, could you just look at them and let them know you're more valuable than I am? Isn't it amazing how we say that to each other? Yeah. We're speaking value to each other. By, by not just declaring this, that you're more valuable than I am, but now acting and treating you as though you are more valuable above myself. Let me do this real quick because I know many of us, we, we struggle with selfishness. I saw the show of hands last week. I won't ask you to do that again because some of you have been less selfish this week. Amen? Okay. Prayerfully. Okay. But I, I want to show you, this is, this is, I feel like this is the epitome of selfishness. Tiana, give me that first little video I've got. Come on, somebody. How many of us are this little guy here? This little guy, how many, that's how many of us, that was me. I want to blow out everyone's candles. I want to be the center of attention. I want to be seen and known. Thank God for a father that knows when to get in our way and tell us when this is not your time. This ain't about you. It's somebody, no matter how many temper tantrums you throw, daddy is right there with you the entire time. We live in this, in this, in this what about me generation. We live in this, does anybody notice me generation? Does anybody see me generation? Does anybody hear me generation? With a quick show of hands, this is audience participation today. How many people here either take pictures or upload pictures at least once a month? Take pictures or upload pictures at least once a month, okay? Don't worry, don't worry. Some of you are going to keep your hands up here a little longer. How many would say, I, I, I probably do this, I take pictures, upload pictures at least once a week. At least once a week. That's right, that's right. All right, my millennials in the house. How many would say, I take pictures, upload them probably every day? Probably every day. Yeah, right, right. Now. Probably every day. I probably take them and upload them at least once every day. I told you this before, but it, it blew my mind. When, when the idea of the selfie first came out, it was about a million a day. Now, some stats say it's upwards of like 93 million selfies are taken every single day. You know what that is? That's a lot of you. I, Kareem, I was actually, I was, I was hearing something the other day about Instagram. The amount of, the amount of videos that get uploaded and the pictures that get uploaded every day to Instagram, it would take you three years just watching every video for one second just to see all the content that is posted in one day. The, uh, wait, hold on. This is going to get better, okay? Let's give that, that first little stat there, Tiana. I, I, you can't make out that number. I'm going to tell you what it says. 25,000. The numbers of selfies that a millennial is expected to take in his or her lifetime. 25,000 selfies you're expected to take in your lifetime, millennials. I'm just coming for the millennials today. I'm just letting you know. Okay, just give it a hit. 38 hours is the number of hours you will spend each year taking those selfies. 38 hours. My God. Give them the next, give them the next image. Yeah. 38 hours. That's, you're spending more time taking selfies each year than you are working on your own personal finances. More time taking selfies than you are job searching or even interviewing for jobs. More time taking selfies each year than attending social events. That means even church for some people. And more time each year taking selfies than just going for a walk. What is happening here is, is, is there something about us 
There's a need within us for us to be seen, us to be heard, us to be noticed, us to feel like we actually matter. Now, I want to be clear, because I know what somebody's thinking right now. Pastor's starting a church-wide campaign to get me to cancel all my social media. <laughs> that is not what I'm doing. In fact, I, I, I want you to go ahead. I want you to take as many pictures as you want of your kids, because you're going to do it anyway. I want you to take as many pictures as you want to of your food, but please, for those of us who are on the Daniels fast, keep it private. Yeah. Can I get an amen? I want you to take as many pictures of your cat and as many poses as you want overlaid with scripture, hashtag holy kitty. I don't care. Here's my point. I personally don't care how many pictures you take each day. I don't care how many pictures you upload each day. What I'm trying to do here is, what I want to do is, I want to use this cultural phenomenon known as the, the selfie to illustrate that there is a conflict that exists within all of us. And here's that conflict. The conflict is between who I really am and the, how I want you to perceive who I am. There's a conflict there. Am I doing okay so far? Uh, say amen if you're, you've already heard me say this before. Amen. All right. Okay. Thank you, Brock. On, on a scale of, you know, one to ten, I, I, was, I was trying to, to find different um, Bible characters who are selfish because you can find them everywhere. In fact, for those of us who have been doing the, the uh, Read the Bible plan in, in a year, those who, who have joined us, and if you have not yet, you're still able to join us. Just pick up where we are and just, just join us reading the Word every day. But we're reading portions of Genesis and portions of Matthew. And, and man, Genesis is just littered with people who are freaking selfish. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It's just like, wow. It's, it's, I, this is what I love about the Bible. It's real. Can I get an amen from somebody who's just been awestruck at how genuine this book really is? So, I was looking at the the different Bible characters, and ultimately what I want to do is, is of all the people I could have chosen, we've settled on on the example set by a man named Jacob. And we've just gotten through most of Jacob's story in in our time together of reading. And so, we're not there yet, but we're getting there, right? And in and, and looking at, at Jacob's example, I want to show you what happened at one point in Jacob's life, and, it, and it's going to be the foundation for the next two weeks for sure. But look at me with uh, our main text. Let's go to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. I'm going to start in verse 22. And this is kind of like, uh, if, if you know anything about me, I love to throw in King James words because I grew up on King James Bible. Um, but this is kind of, I think, the NLT, so it's a little more understandable for modern English. So uh, here's how it reads in Genesis 32, 22. It says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives. Someone say two wives. Tommy, we got to deal with that one in the future. It's, it's, It's not today. His two wives, his two servant wives, told you the Bible's interesting, y'all, and his 11 sons, and he crossed the Jabbok River with them. Verse 23. After taking them to the other side, he sent all of his possessions over. 24. 
This left Jacob all alone. Someone say all alone. Now Jacob is all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Verse 25, when the man saw that he could not win the match, could not prevail, he touched or he struck Jacob's hip and wrenched it, uh, wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Verse 27, what is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Verse 28, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Verse 29, Jacob says, please tell me your name. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob right there. Okay. Now, I love this story. Here's why I love this story. Because I grew up watching wrestling. Any WWF fans? Okay. F. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going way back. We had to change the name because we were using someone else's acronym. WW, WCW fans in the house. Any WCW? WCW. As I got a little bit older, the NWO. Anybody remember the NWO? And I hate to admit it, but the Attitude Era. Attitude Era. The Rock. Stone Cold Steve Austin. I should have been watching that stuff. Come on, somebody. All right. It was a different era, and, and I loved it. And I loved wrestling, and I loved practicing my wrestling moves at home with my brother. In fact, some of you have seen us sometimes in restaurants. We'll just start wrestling with each other. We call it, uh, we call it restaurant wrestling. Just post some crazy, stupid stuff that we do. I used to love wrestling as a kid. So what I see here is Jacob is physically wrestling with God. Has anybody ever been mad at God before? But have you ever tried to fight him? <laughs> Jacob is, is wrestling with God. Now, here's what I see, Rev. I see this is so consistent with Jacob's character. Because the very first time we meet Jacob, what is he doing? He's already wrestling the very first time we meet him. Go with me to Genesis 25, verse 21. Isaac, his dad, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife, Rebecca, because Rebecca was unable to have children. And the Lord answered Isaac's prayer. Let me encourage you real quick. Be careful what you pray for, because God might answer. And God not only answered his prayer, but Rebecca became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled, jostled, wrestled, with each other in her womb. So she went to the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? She asked. Here's the point I want you to see. Their inner struggle is just symbolic of our inner struggle, our inner conflict that we experience when God gives us a dream, when God is trying to birth a purpose from our life. There's an inner turmoil and conflict that begins to happen. And when God is about to birth something into your life, you will feel a jostling happening in your womb, a wrestling happening between your spirits and your flesh. But I came to tell you, just like when Rebecca came to God and said, God, 
God, give me a baby. God will give you what you ask for. And, and I love this for Rebecca, Pastor Olga. Let's use this text probably at Mother's Day because how many mothers can say, God, why is this happening to me? Because I gave you what you prayed for. I gave you what you asked for. But her question is not my point. Her question doesn't matter half as much ultimately as where she went to get her answer. She had a question, why is this happening to me? But look how it finishes. She went to God. She went to the Lord. If you're going through a conflict right now because of what God has placed inside of you, then don't just stand and feel bad for yourself about it. Go to God because he knows what's there and he's going to tell you what he placed there, why he placed it there, and what's going to happen if you'll just keep trusting him. Where do you go when you're conflicted? What do you turn to? Who do you turn to when the struggle is real? Can I help somebody today? Well, thank you, Courtney. At least I got one. All right, Courtney. This isn't for you directly, but for everyone else who's just listening to you, my conversation. I wish people would stop turning to the bottle. My prayer is that people will stop turning to addictions. My prayer is that people will stop trying to find someone else to blame. My, my, my prayer is that you'll stop talking to the people who only tell you what you want to hear. See, when you are conflicted within, you have to take it to the only one. The only one who knows what to do about what he put within you. Keep reading with me. Verse 23. The Lord told Rebekah, he said, look, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. But check this out. One nation will be stronger than the other. And your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she indeed had twins. Clearly God was right. Someone say all the time. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Let's use that one instead of uh, God is good, right? God is right all the time. Woo. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born, check this out now, with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. So Esau was that hairy Chewbacca baby. I've shared this before, but I'll just tell you, I'm the only dark-haired child in my family. Dylan and Devin were born with the blondest of blonde hair when, when it finally grew in, right? Yeah. yeah. But when I came out, my, my father looked at me, and the first thing he said is, that baby's ugly. I'm not lying. I am not lying. Ask him. He hates to admit to it, but he was like, that is not my kid. Okay? Those of you who've had difficult pregnancies, difficult births, big babies, I was 10 and a half pounds at birth, 10 pounds, right, eight ounces, 10 pounds, eight ounces. I don't, you know, forgive me, I don't remember how many ounces are in a pound, but 
16, I don't know, something like that, 12, I don't remember. Anyway, I was 10 pounds, 8 ounces. I was a big baby. Big, swollen, hairy, and ugly. <laughs> Chewbacca. <laughs> Esau was, a, was, a, was a, clearly a, a hairy baby. They named him be, be because of that. Oh, how, how basically hair covered his body like fur. But, but Jacob, Jacob, he was named for something he did before he even knew what he was doing. Here's what Jacob's name means. Jacob means supplanter or literally heel grabber. Heel grabber. It means deceiver. Jacob is, is the ultimate example of, of a me first mentality. He's got a hold of his, of his brother's heel. What about me? What about me? Now, he's stuck with the name Jacob, heel grabber, for the rest of his life. So this made me realize something. How many of us have gotten stuck with something that is a part of us before we were even able to make our own choices? How many of us are stuck battling something that was someone else's battle. It just got passed down through the bloodline. How many of us are literally stuck knowing that there's something within me that's a part of me, and I didn't have any say in the matter? I'm very careful I say this because I believe that, that life happens at conception, and I only believe that because the scriptures say so. So I want to be very clear, because many of you are so, so caught up in what society says, I'm just caught up in what scripture says. So when God says, I knew you before I formed you, that means you were a living being before you even conceived. But you came alive at the moment of conception. And so here's, here's Jacob in his mama's womb, even as a, as a fetus, if you will. And he's showing us that we are instinctively born, even in our mother's womb, we're instinctively born with the me first mentality. We are instinctively born with, I gotta get mine. We're instinctively born with, what about me? And how many of us today are, are grabbing after possessions and grabbing after positions and grabbing after power the way that Jacob grabbed after his brother's heel? We're grabbing for something more. Now, let me give you some historical context. I can't really blame Jacob. If you, if you understand historically what, what happens with, with the firstborn in ancient times, the firstborn received what was called the birthright. Yeah. The, the birthright ultimately means that the firstborn got the best part of the inheritance. The firstborn got a bigger piece of the, of the pie. The firstborn was the guy who had all the rights and, and, and really the privileges that the other siblings just did not get. That fell to the firstborn. So you can understand. You can, you can understand why Jacob wants to be first. Because if he had just been born 30 seconds earlier, right? If he had just come out just a few seconds earlier before Esau, then everything that Esau got would have been Jacob's. So I can't really blame the guy for being a, a, a heel grabber in, in that sense because it was prophesied over him that he would be great while he was still in the mother's womb. But can I tell you this? When you are only centered on you, you will never be enough. And because you will never be enough, 
you are always going to be grabbing for more. I love how C.S. Lewis wrote this one time. He wrote this in the book, Mere Christianity. He said this, and I might have it as a quote. He said, pride gets no pleasure out of having something. Pride only gets pleasure out of having more than the next man. More. Okay. How many of you have a nice house? Have you ever run into somebody who's like, nice house, but mine is nicer? How many of you have some nice shoes? Where's Rev Dev? Rev Dev in the house. Nice shoes. Okay. You might have nice shoes, but go compare them to Rev Dev. Come on, somebody, because his are nice. How many of you have a cute kid? But can you stand to be around those parents who are just like, cute kid, but mine is cute. Err. I've talked about this before. So you've heard me talk about this. Jacob's grandfather's name was Abraham. Abraham came, Rev, we know this, Abraham came from a land called Ur. E-R. Ur. Here's my question. How many of us are still living in a land called Ur? It's not enough to be thin. We've got to be thin Still living in the land of Ur. It's not enough to be cream buff. We've got to be buff. My Hulkamaniac days. It, it, it's, not a, it's not enough to tell somebody my kid is smart. We've got to make them feel dumb by telling them my kid is smart. I'm going to be real careful here. It's not enough for some of us to just sin. We go all out and we are a sin. Walk it back, Pastor. Walk it back. It's a me first instinct. Me first. And where does that come from? Look at scripture with me Psalms 51. Verse 5, we read this the last Sunday of the year. But David said this, he said, I was born a sinner. This me first mentality, from the moment my mother conceived me, wow, I was already in my mother's womb, I was a sinner. I want to say this for all of you who do not believe in the doctrine of original sin. Original sin says that we are born into sin. We are born selfish. I know your child is beautiful and looks innocent, but that baby is a sinner. In fact, the reason I know that some of you do not know anything about the doctrine of original sin is because you don't yet have kids. Because the moment you have kids, you will begin to see how selfish they can be. Dylan, I never had to teach my kids ever how to say mine. I never had to teach my kids ever how to say now. I never had to teach my kids how to say me, I, want, my, now. But I have had to teach my kids how to share. And I have, I've had to teach my kids how to be patient. 
and I have had to teach my kids to say, please. My God, it became the P word in this generation. Please. Because it is not instinctive for me to be humble, for, for me to be others-minded. And I just want to say this. More is a question. Is it even possible to be God first in our focus in a me first world? Remember what Jesus said one time? Matthew 6, 33. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Can I speak to every person who's like Jacob in this place? Listen to me. It is hard to seek God first when you're always trying to grab at someone else's heels to be first. It, 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 it is almost impossible to put God first when you're always putting you first. And in fact, I want you to know when you really read what Jesus says, Jesus says things that just seem so upside down in our me first world. Jesus says crazy stuff like this. If you want to know how the kingdom works, this is how it works in Matthew 19, 30. He says, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. In other words, it's not always the ones who get ahead who are actually ahead. Okay. And Jesus says something else crazy. He says something like this. He says in Mark 8, 36, he says, what does it profit a man, a person, to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Can I ask you today, what has it profited you to chase after stuff, to chase after security, to chase after status, but in the process, you've lost your own soul? What has it profited you to finally get everything you desire, but then look in the mirror and dislike you? I'm going to give you five things. We'll see how quick I can do this. Probably not very quick. Number one. In order to find yourself, you must lose yourself so that God can reveal to you your true self. You need some Bible to back that up? Jesus said in Mark 8, 35, he said, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. Can I just get an amen for some people that had to lose themselves? But in losing yourself, you have found who you truly are because God has been able to reveal to you, this is who I want you to be. Emmanuel, I'm going to be very careful about what I say next. But to anybody who feels called to ministry, you better make sure that it is God that has called you to this life. Because what I have learned about ministry, I have been full-time full pastor at, at our church 15 years, but I became a youth pastor at the age of 18. At the age of 18, I had to give up so many things. I had to stop playing basketball because I felt so bad how I would dominate and then make you feel dumb on the court. I had to give it up. I had to walk away because I was just like, I, don't, I, I can't preach to you on Sunday or Wednesday and tell you to live like God, and then you see me on the court making you feel dumb. Part of the reason, because I, let's be honest, I used to talk too much trash. 
So out of the same mouth, Sister Nancy cannot come both blessings and curses. So I had to sacrifice some ball. But that was at 18. I've been doing this thing now for almost 25 years. And it has cost me almost everything. And I want to tell you, if you feel a call to ministry, I'm, I'm glad, but you need to know, me first never works in ministry. In fact, I'll tell you, me first doesn't work in marriage. I will tell you that me first doesn't even work with your money. But to those who are called to ministry, hear me. Here's what it simply means. I'm not called to be served. I've been called to serve. If we have some ministers in this house that live that example, a Pastor Beto, a Pastor Olga, a Pastor Vidi, if you have seen people in your life that have lived this calling, they haven't put themselves first, they put God first, and in doing so, they have been your servant, and you're thankful. If you are thankful for any minister in your life, can you just take 30 seconds right now? I mean, let's take 30 seconds and just say, thank you, Lord, for every person you brought into my life that paid the price, that, that carried their cross, that, that gave things up that, that would sacrifice so much because I'm serving God now because you kept serving the Lord and gave up serving yourself thank you to every minister thankful for my parents that did this for me thankful for my grandparents that did it for me and my parents I'm thankful for a, I pray a generation that realizes this me first stuff just doesn't work so in order to find myself, I have to lose myself so that God can then begin to reveal to me who my true self really is. Second thing I want to tell you is this. The most miserable people, both in this room and watching online and sitting at home or wherever they are, the most people, miserable people on this planet are the me first people. Sister Danette, I think, posted something the other day. It was, it was Jim Carrey's face, I think it was. I happened to see this where... You just talk about, I wish that everybody could just be rich and have it all and have a big house and, and lots of cars. And then in the end, find out it doesn't fulfill everything it promised. I know some of you are striving for that. You want to be rich and famous and, and wealthy. And, and the rich and famous and wealthy are telling you just by their own lifestyles, I'm miserable. This isn't enough. Something is, is missing. Can I tell you that the, it, it's miserable when, when you have a, when you never have a thought that's bigger than just, what about me? It's miserable when you never have a thought that says, uh, I, I'm, what's in it for me? It's miserable to never have a thought bigger than, well, what's best just for me? Man, I feel like people are starting to look at their phones and not really. I'm just verifying the, the post that, that Sister Jeanette put on, on, uh, on Facebook past. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. I want to get quote accuracy here. You are miserable when all you can ever think about is just you. Because some of the most miserable people I've ever met are the most selfish people I've ever met. I want to ask it like this. Have you ever met someone who lacks nothing but complains about everything? I want to see how many parents are looking at their teenagers. Me first is miserable. Here's why. Because it doesn't work. Me first is miserable because even in the end, it's not even effective. Why? Because the first will be last. Me first will not work in the end. 
In fact, Paul warned the Romans in Romans chapter 2, verse 8. He said, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, here's what's coming for you. Wrath and anger. Now, when I look at Jacob's life, it took him decades, literally decades, to lose his me first mentality. If you look at the story of of Jacob, what you will see is he was in his 20s when he tricked his, his twin brother Esau out of Esau's birthright in his 20s. And then he's, he's in his 70s when he tricked his blind and dying father, Isaac, into giving him a, the blessing that was meant for his older brother, Esau. In fact, you don't, you don't have to turn there, but in Genesis 27, what Jacob does to, to trick Isaac is he, he plays dress up. He, he puts on a, a, a goat skin, basically, animal skin. He puts on, on this animal skin and he pretends to be Esau. Why? So that he can steal Esau's blessing. Okay? So here, here he is dressing up, and, and Isaac, Isaac is going blind. He's, he's, he's dying, but Isaac is not dumb. So he hears Jacob walk in the room, even though he can't see, and he's like, you sound like Jacob. Come closer. And because Jacob's mama was in on the ploy, covering him up, in hair, when Isaac touches Jacob, he says, well, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. You must be Esau. So I'm going to give you Esau's blessing. Someone say it belongs to Esau. Or does it? See, I don't, I don't know how many of us run around a house playing dress-up. <laughs> I love these moments when I can just sit and let it just kind of hang in the air and watch how people start to... I know, I know my brother Dylan likes to blame the fact that he has a two-year-old daughter, but he, plays, he dresses up like Batman because he wants to. Yeah. <laughs> but... But here's the crazy thing. Maybe you're not running around your house like Batman or Spider-Man or, or, or like RevDev, Superman. Maybe you're not doing that. But I want to know, what costumes are you wearing in order to get what you want? Well, I, I knew it would land. Hello, yeah. Isaac takes this moment, and after he touches the pretend he saw, he begins to bless Jacob. But what Jacob did not count on Tommy is that the same moment that Isaac finishes his blessing is the same moment that he saw returns back home. Rut row. Somebody's not been reading Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's what I want you to know. Okay? If, if you did not know, Esau has been out hunting at Isaac's request. Isaac's like, look, I'm about to die. You're a great hunter. Go kill me some of that wild game that I love. Make it into, a, you know, make it into the food I love and then serve me. And then after you serve me, I will bless you. So Isaac is out, or Esau is out hunting. Here's the crazy thing. That means when he gets home, he's still got his weapons. Come on, somebody. The Bible tells us that Jacob was good with the frying pan. This ain't paper, rock, scissors. You got weapons, 
unless you bat with a frying pan. More than likely, Esau is going to destroy Jacob. In fact, the Bible tells us when he finds out what happened, he was ready to kill him. And, and so Rebecca actually hears it first, and she runs to Jacob. She's like, boy, you better run. You are in your 70s now, but you better run because your brother is coming for you. Now, can I tell you this? Yes, Jacob got the blessing by pretending to be someone else. But then he had to spend the next 20 years of his life on the run from that someone else. Yes, Jacob got exactly what he wanted, but Jacob was not able to enjoy what he got. You know, it's possible to get what you want and then not want what you got because you got it the wrong way. Woo. Pastor's coming from me. I wish he'd get to his fifth point already. Point number three. And I want to share this to you because I've said it before, but I, I need you to hear me with your heart today. Not just your head, but with your heart. Because it really is the focal point of this whole message. And I've said this before, but here it is. God won't bless your pretense. Pretense. Your make-believe. Your fantasy. Your pretense. Your dress-up. Your costumes. God won't bless your pretense. Listen to me. God can't bless Jacob as long as Jacob is dressed up like Esau. Ooh. Kenny, God won't bless a fake Jamin. God won't bless a fake Olga. God won't bless a fake you. Now, in this room here today, there's the fake Jamin and there's the future Jamin. The future Jamin is the guy I want to be, the guy I've been called to be. Fake Jamin is who I pretend to be just so that you and I can coexist. So that maybe, just maybe, you'll like me. Maybe, just maybe, you'll accept me. Well, I thank you for that. And I'm using me as an illustration for how most of you are still living life when you won't allow God to speak to the future you. And you're always trying to make us believe the future you is really you when you're still just the fake you, pretending to be someone you're not. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. In fact, those who used to have an avatar, remember the avatar back in the day? God doesn't anoint your avatar. For those who are still wearing masks, God can't minister to your mask. Can I get a generation of people that agree with me? It's time to pull off the mask. It's time to get like the, the apostle Paul before he was Paul when he was Saul on the road to Damascus. Where we need, like Israel Holden said, we need God to demask us so we can expose who we really are. You can fool Isaac, but you can't fool you. You can fool your pastor with all of your church clothes and, and your church dance and your church offering. You can fool me, but you will never fool your God because he knows you. 
In fact, God said it like this one time through Samuel, 1 Samuel 16. He said, the Lord doesn't see things the way that people see them. People judge by the outward appearance. But God sees what's on the inside. God knows your hearts. He knows who you really are. And I just came to tell somebody today, it's time to let go of your costumes. So you can receive who God has called you to be. Can I get an amen? Dylan, when I look at this text, Jacob is pursuing the birthright and pursuing the blessing. And though Isaac blesses him, and Esau forfeits the birthright, we just read, now probably 30 minutes ago, can't really say just read, some time back, we read when Jacob actually finally got blessed. Genesis 32, 26 again. The man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you. Ooh. Now we're discovering when he really got blessed. Until you bless me. Now, at first, Jacob does not even realize that he's not just wrestling with an angel. He's not just wrestling with the man. He is wrestling with God. I, I had to wonder, Rev, why did he not know? Well, here's probably why. Because it's dark. He's wrestling with him all night long. He cannot see clearly who he's wrestling with. In fact, many scholars believe that this was a Christophany. A Christophany is where Jesus appears sometimes in the Old Testament. And so that's why I call him the man, because Jesus is the man. And, and so here we got Jesus showing up in appearance. And, and this is even crazier to think, because when I think of this story, how old do you think Jacob was when he wrestled with God? Like in your mind, how do you imagine it? I, I, I imagine Dylan, you know, 20, 28 years old, 28 years old. I imagine a 28 year old Dylan wrestling with God. Dylan's massive physique, his, his, his 27 inch pythons, whatever those things are. Okay, just that, that bulging chest. I, I imagine a young man wrestling with God. Anybody else, when you, when you, when you, when you kind of in your head, just like Jacob is wrestling with God, he's got to be like in his 20s, may, possibly 30s, 40s. Eh, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't really know anymore. Now he's getting up to pastor's age. He probably ain't wrestling with God in his 40s. In my mind, I'm like, I, I see him as a young man. But when I do the math, he was 20 when he conned Esau out of the birthright. He's in his 70s when he steals Esau's blessing. He's been on the run for 20 years. Brother man is now 97 years old when he decides to wrestle with God. Don't tell me you are too old. I said, don't tell me you are too old to let God know I won't let go until you bless me. 97 years old. This Pastor Vitti told me before service, it's no wonder his hip went out of sockets. My elder Jacob, this man conned his way through his whole life, grabbing on this stuff. But Miss Autumn, now someone 
grabs a hold of him. Can I tell you that change is that thing that happens when grace grabs a hold of you? Can I tell you that change and transformation is the thing that happens when truth grabs hold of you? I need a witness in this place. Your life has been transformed for the better because God himself grabbed a hold of your life. Can I get about 15 people to bear witness that God got a hold of me? And when God got a hold of me, something changed in my walk. Now Jacob has wrestled with God all night long. And God tells Jacob, let me go. But Jacob refuses. Why does Jacob refuse? Because now Jacob has finally grabbed hold of the only one. I've been fighting for 97 years, not even knowing who I am. I've been grabbing onto everyone else's heel. I've been grabbing onto Esau. I've been grabbing onto Rebecca. I've been grabbing onto Laban. I've my father in law. I've been grabbing onto everyone and everything else that I possibly can. And none of them could truly bless me until he grabbed hold of the only one who could really, authentically, eternally bless him number four number four the revelation of my true self is found in my refusal to let go of god sometimes you just got to decide in your life i'm sick of faking it i'm sick of pretending i'm sick of posing i'm sick of having to prove myself because if god is the only one who truly knows me then god is the only one who can truly bless me I got to gear up for this. I'm about to. I want to tell you just like this. Even when it's easier, don't let go of God. Even when you can't see clearly in the dark, hold on to God. Even when you're hurting, hold on to God. Even if you're limping, hold on to God. Even if you're old, hold on to God. Even if you lost some time, hold on to God. Even if you are still struggling today, you can let go of that. If you need something to let go of, let go of your struggle. Let go of your sin. Let go of your pride. Let go of your pain. Let go of your past. Let go of the pretense. Let go of the costume. Let go of who you want other people to think you really are. Let go of their opinions. But don't let go of God. Can I find about 30 people in this house today that want the enemy to know I'm going to let go of your lies. I'm going to let go of your deception. I'm going to let go of the generational curses. But I refuse to let go of God. Can you just poke somebody next to you right now and tell them whatever you do, don't give up now. Whatever you do, don't tap out now. Whatever you do, don't let go of God now. Whatever you do, hold on to God. And number five. Whew. These are those moments when it doesn't hit your head, it hits your spirit. And you're just like, Ooh, Jesus. Number five, God can bless me once I can admit who I really am. 
who I really am. Miss Wanda, you know what this, you know what a middle requires? A middle requires full honesty. It requires full ownership and middle. To, I, can't, I can't understand when I watch the news. The guy broke into your house. He stole something. The cops caught him with what he stole right outside your house. And how does the news define the criminal? Miss Tracy, the alleged thief. What's so alleged about it? He's got my Rolex in his pocket. You caught him. We don't want to admit alleged. I'm guilty. I'm innocent until proven guilty, Pastor. That's cool in a court of law, but do you think it holds up before God? Who knows the real you? And you can pretend with me, but he sees your heart. And he says, I want to really bless you, but I can't really bless you until you really admit who you really are. Genesis 32, 27. The man asked Jacob, what is your name? What is your name? I, I, I know it's Pala and, and, and HP and Halapala, and, but Mireya is a legal name. I know because every time she calls me, I'm like, who's calling me? Oh, yeah, HP, sorry. Yeah. The legal name shows up. The man, God, asks Jacob, what's something that God doesn't know? Or does this take me back to the garden when God knows exactly where Adam is, but he still says, Adam, not for my benefit, but for yours. Where are you? Not for God's benefit, but Jacob's. Jacob, what is your name? Rev, this is literally almost the same thing that Isaac asked Jacob when Jacob stole Esau's blessing. Wait, who is that? What's your name? Is that really you? Esau, you sound like Jacob. Now, that time, Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau. You liar. Come on, I remember grade school. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Something about sticking your head in a telephone wire. Right? I can't remember what it was. No, it was, no, sorry. Yeah, maybe not your head. That would probably blow it up. Let's not do that. Yeah. Good Lord, I can't even remember now. Someone pray for me. I'm getting old. Come on, pray for me. Pray for me. But I'm still holding on to God. Yes, Lord. Come on. Whew. So, you're not Esau. You're a, you're a liar. You're not Esau. You're a deceiver. You're not Esau. You are, you're a faker. That's what, that's what you are. Now, I, I got to be careful. I got to be careful here. Because this time around, the man says, what is your name? And I appreciate this. Jacob doesn't pretend to be someone else. This time, he owns who he really is. He says it like this. He says, I am what they call me. I am 
Jacob. I am a deceiver. I am a backstabber. I am a heel grabber. I am a supplanter. I am the one who always wants to be first. I am what they say I am. And guess what? There's the blessing. Come on, Sister Nancy. She remembers my message. There is the blessing. The blessing is found right there when you can really admit who you really are. Can I tell some of you in 2024, the blessing is not getting a new car. It'll be nice to have one, but trust me, once you have to pay for it and the insurance on it, come on, somebody don't feel like a blessing. Can I get amen? The, the blessing is not the new house. I mean, thank God for it. But once the mortgage kicks in and insurance rates or interest rates go, come on, somebody. It don't always feel like a blessing. The, the blessing is not in the promotion or the business deal or that cute new girlfriend. The blessing is this. Do you know who you really are? Because once Jacob can admit his real name, God says, you're no longer going to be Jacob. I'm going to change your name. I'm I'm going to give you something better, a new name. And God not only blesses Jacob, but he changes his name from Jacob to Israel. Israel simply means this, one who has triumphed with God. Jacob is who I am, but Israel is who God is in me. Too many of you all, you're trying to make a name for yourself, but aren't you glad that God knows who you really are and he gives you a new name? Can I find some people here today who recognize God doesn't call me what I did or what I was. God calls me who Jesus is and what Jesus did. So when God looks at you, he doesn't say you're selfish. He says you're righteous. When God looks at you, he doesn't say you're a sinner. He says, you've been saved by my grace. Can I find about a hundred people in this room to let God start calling you what he said you were? I know what you used to be, but because of Jesus, you are holy. Because of Jesus, you are pure. Because of Jesus, you are chosen. Because of Jesus, you are my son. Because of Jesus, you are my child. Because of Jesus, you are loved with an everlasting love. Will you stand your feet with me all over this room? Because God today wants all of us to come to him. Hear me, hear me. As we truly are. Come as you truly are. Come with your costumes, your pretense, your make-believe. Come with your selfishness and sinfulness. Come as you really are. Because when you can finally admit who you really are, then God can finally bless you and call you what only he can call you. And I don't know what you believe you need today, but I can sense still in this first month of this new year that God has a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. I love how this wrestling match ends, Tommy. I read this wrestling match all night long. For those of you who grew up in the 80s, you remember wrestling matches sometimes will last over an hour. Try that with this generation, snooze, what's next? Okay. And it literally, like most of the wrestling matches, two guys laying on the ground and we're all just cheering and then Hulk starts to Hulk up a little bit and yeah, but it's like 
75 minutes later, this wrestling match lasts all night long. But I love its ending. Here's how it ends. God hits Jacob in the hip. You, what I mean by that? Specifically, God hits God hit Jacob in his Jacob. Because I'm so used to doing my thing and going my way. And I'm so used to putting myself first that God hits the thing that was controlling, controlling me. And isn't it awesome about our God that when God hits us in the part that was controlling us, now we have to say, I used to want in my way. In fact, I always did it my way. But now I've got proof. My way wasn't the blessed way. But even though there are still some selfish things in my life, they're nowhere near as controlling as they used to be. Oh, I need somebody to just take, a, just take a moment and internally thank God that the things that used to control you and own you and drive you, God has touched those areas of your life and they're no longer, they might still have some influence, but they no longer control your every decision, your every move. In fact, I want to say this right now. You might be walking with a limp because God hit you, because God touched you, but if you're still able to move, then that means that God is not done with you. There's still a forward momentum for your life can you just take 10 seconds right now and praise God that he hit me because he wanted to get a hold of me because I was being controlled by me but God said I want to bless you and so he hits me and what used to control me now is under his influence verse 29 the last thing that Jacob says, and I don't know if you can bring that up for you or not, Tiana. Verse 29, the last thing that Jacob says, he says, what is your name? What is your name? Reverend Jerry, is there an answer? Does God give him an answer? Come on, you are smart. Look. What is your name? Crickets. Silence. Why does the man not answer Jacob? I'll tell you why. Because the man wasn't there to reveal who he was. The man was there to show Jacob who Jacob was. Jacob had already met God back in Genesis 28. Now, Jacob's almost 100 years old, and Jacob finally meets Jacob. There are people in this room, and people watch me online here today. You have met God, but I believe today is the day where you are finally going to meet the real you. Just for a moment right now, I just feel the Spirit of God. I'll, I'll continue. But can you just lift your hands with me all over this place? Pastor Olga said this the first Sunday of the year that so many of us hear the, the nonsense of society that tells us 
just be true to yourself. That's not at all what scripture's saying. The true you is selfish. The true you will put yourself above the most high. Huh. The, the true you is driven by desires and passions. The true you, the, the real you is still hurting. The real you is still confused. The, the real you is, is despondent and depressed. At least that's what society says. But I serve a God here today who didn't show up to show him who he is. He's here today, January 21st, 2024, for some of you to finally meet you, meaning what he placed within you, that purpose, that destiny, that authority, that power, that purity. This is why the Spirit of God is here today. Can we just for a moment, just with our hands raised, can we just thank God that even though we've been in the dark all night wrestling, the dawn is breaking. And along with the, with the breaking dawn, there's a breaking hip happening here today. God is breaking your control. He's breaking your selfishness. He's breaking your sinfulness. He's breaking the deception of Satan over your mind and your calling and your life. He's breaking the power of the enemy. That's what has happened. As the dawn is breaking, guess what that means? It means the sun is rising. And I can sense today the Son of God rising in your hearts and in your minds. Break forth, Lord Jesus, and break us out of all the bondage, all the struggle, all the shame, all the pain of our past. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody just worship our great God, what he's doing in this house today. Whew, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you can put your hands down for a second. If you're still worshiping, worship it. I need you to hear me because I got to wrap this up. I told you it was going to be one of my longer sermons. I forewarned you. So he's like, good Lord, it's 12.15. Well, thank God the playoffs don't start for a couple hours. Amen, right? Amen. Jacob says to the man, what is your name? And all the man does is bless him. Pastor Bethel will know this. Hundreds of years later, a deliverer by the name of Moses shows up. And Moses is out there tending the sheep, the flocks, and this bush catches fire. Nothing unusual in the wilderness, except this bush isn't consumed. It just continues to burn. And from this burning bush comes a voice, and it begins to speak to Moses and tell Moses, not just who he is, but who Moses is, and what Moses is going to do. And here's what happens in the conversation. Moses asks the same question that Jacob asks, but Tommy, this time, God answers. Exodus 3, Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, 
they will ask me, what is his name? So what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, tell them this, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also told Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is how I am to be remembered in every generation. Now, I've got to be honest. If I was God and God was talking about me, I would want God to talk about my good side. Call me Israel. Use my good name when you talk about me. I've said this before, but Pastor Olga had to, had to identify this for me so I understood. Pastor Olga, why is it when certain women take pictures, they always say, get my good side? Why? Because you got an ugly side? A bad side? I don't know if the picture's going to show that or not. Your husband might know about it. But get my good side. Now, if I was God, I would want to show the good side. But somebody better praise him today that that's not our God. Because our God says to Moses, if you want to know who I really am, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. And yes, I am the God of Jacob as well. You would think... If God took the time to rename me, then God would use my good name. But our God is not just the God of your pretty side. Our God is the God of your ugly side that you don't want anybody to see. Our God is not just the God of our triumphs. Our God is the God of our struggles. Our God is not just the God of my victories. My God is the God of my failures. Somebody put your hands together, lift your voice, and praise this God. He is with me. He is for me. And everything in my life begins to change when I admit I'm not just Israel. I'm also Jacob. Because when I can admit I am Jacob, God can say that I am the God of Jacob as well. Praise him in this place. Praise him in this place. Because of who he is. Let me give you one last verse and I'll get you out of here. Give them that last verse there, Tiana. I didn't show you this earlier, but I'm showing you now. Genesis 32.30, right? I'm sorry, not that one. Genesis 32.30. After the man blesses him, Dill, check out this. I love this. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. Because he said this. I have seen God face to face, and yet I still live. My life has been spared. Hear me now today. The whole reason you're not winning your fight is because you're in the wrong face. Somebody help me. You've heard me say this before. You've been fighting your boss. You're in the wrong face. You've been fighting your spouse. You're in the wrong face. 
You've been fighting your parents. You're in the wrong face. You've been fighting the system. You're in the wrong face. You've been fighting Republicans and Democrats and independents. You're in the wrong face. You've been fighting from your anger. You've been fighting from your pain. You've been fighting from your sorrow. You've been fighting from your grief. And I came to tell you, it's time to change the face of the fight. David said it like this in Psalms 27, verse 8. He said, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I shall seek. Here's what I came to tell you. God said today, today, if you will seek my face, God said, I will get in your fight. I'll say it again. God said, if you will just start seeking my face, I will jump into your fight. And when I get in your fight, somebody put your hands together and tell it, I will see a victory. When I get in his face, I will see the victory. When I'm in God's face, I will see God's victory. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see victory for the battle belongs this is what happened when we seek his face he gets in our fight and he gives us the victory we could not obtain on our own here's what i'm going to do i'm going to close this service right now and i'm going to open up this altar to every one of you in this room who can finally admit I am Jacob. It's who I am. Call me what I really am. Who I've really been. What I've really done. This is who I really am. But admitting who you really are is also the moment not allegedly, but intentionally, your God will step in to your life, your mind, your hearts, and begin to transform you from the inside out. And though it will be a process, because some of us can admit, God been working on me for a while, but I'm no longer who I once was. I'm not there yet, but I'm not back there anymore. Can I find a few people to testify? I know I'm not future Jamin, but I'm no longer fake Jamin. I'm moving forward, Jamin. What I'm going to do is I'm going to open up this altar to everyone that can sense within. God's got a new name for me today, a new name for my life. I'm going to ask our prayer team. Pastor Bethel and our prayer team is going to join me at the front. And what we want to do, we're down here in the front. What we want to do is we want to pray with you today. We want to believe with you today. We want to agree with you today that there is a transformation, a change that is happening. And that so many of us today, we're going to lose ourselves so that we can find ourselves. And then God can bless. God can really bless you. Does anybody just need a real blessing this year? 
Come on, I just need a real blessing. Yeah, you don't even have to wait. Come on, I see y'all. Come on. You don't have to wait. Come on. Wherever you are in this room, come on. Let us pray with you today. God is changing your name. God is changing not just your situation. God is changing you. God is changing you. God is changing you from the inside. Now, come on. Come on.